Heavenly Father, we must confess before you that we used to go astray, but now we seek to obey your word. So, Lord, we pray that you would help us as we look at your word this morning to continue in obedience to you. May we go astray no longer, but may we walk in your ways. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, we come once again, after a bit of a break for me, uh, to John chapter 10, and we've been looking at this passage slowly together and looking at the words of Jesus and particularly these powerful words about how he describes his role with his people, how he is the good shepherd and his people are his sheep. And we've been going through looking at how Jesus describes his relationship to the sheep and what he does for the sheep in comparison to what other people do. And we looked at last time how he lays his life down for the sheep. And this morning, we come to him speaking once again to the Jews about his relationship with his people. He is there and he's in the temple area at Solomon's Colonnade and the Jews come to him and say, we want to know if you are the Christ. That is there in chapter 10, verse 24. It says that they said, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. And what is Jesus' response to these people who say that they want to know if he is the Christ? Well, we read in verse 25, Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you do not believe. The miracles I do in my Father's name speak for me. He says, you know that I am the Christ, and if you look at my miracles, you know that I am the Christ. And then he goes on to make some wonderful statements about his people. He says in verse 27 that my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Whereas these people who are saying, we still want to know whether you are the Christ, it is because, as it says in verse 26, that they do not believe because they are not his sheep. Whereas his sheep do believe and they follow him. And then these promises are given, which we're going to focus on this morning. These promises in verses 28 and 29 about his sheep. What are those promises? Well, firstly, in verse 28, it says, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. What does Jesus do for his sheep? He lays down his life, he takes up his life again, and then he gives life. Just as he has received life, and as he has taken up life and lives eternally, so he gives eternal life to his sheep, and they shall never, never perish, he says. But then people think, well, I may have eternal life today. But will I have eternal life tomorrow? Jesus promises that I have eternal life now, but will I have eternal life tomorrow? How do I know that I will live eternally and never perish? Because we have doubts at times. We lack assurance. As believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we can struggle with assurance and think, well, tomorrow will I walk away? Will I no longer follow the Lord Jesus Christ? And therefore, I will go to hell rather than to heaven. And we ask these questions because we often realize that just because we have something good one day doesn't mean we'll have it tomorrow. We experience this again and again. Even children know that just because they've got a Nintendo console today doesn't mean tomorrow they will still have a Nintendo console. Tomorrow, something could happen and parents could have taken it away or a thief can break in and take the Nintendo And so we experience this again and again throughout our lives that just because we have something good one day doesn't mean we'll have it the next. And could this be the case with eternal life that Jesus gives? 
Could it be that we have it today, but then we do something really dumb tomorrow, and so we no longer will have eternal life? And we ask this question as well because we see that people still die in this world who claim to be Christians. Jesus says they will have eternal life and never perish. But then again, we look around us and we see and we know different saints who have gone, who are godly people, and they're no longer in this world. And so it looks like, yes, they've got eternal life, but it's certainly not eternal life in this world. Is it then the case that it's not eternal life in the next world as well? That there may be a second death that claims us in the heavenly realms that we expect to go to. And then also we see people who claim to be Christians and then walk away from the Lord Jesus Christ. And we think, maybe that will be me. And do, do such people, if they once were, yes, they said they believed in Jesus, but now we see that they're completely apostate, that they have walked away from Jesus altogether and cursed the name of the Lord Jesus and say, yes, it was all bunk. It wasn't true at all. I never believed in Jesus. Say, well, do they deserve eternal life? And could I be one of those people? And there are different theologians who teach this, that you may be trusting in Jesus today, but tomorrow you may not trust in Jesus. And you may be a Christian today, but you may not be a Christian tomorrow, and therefore you will be damned for no longer trusting in the Lord Jesus. So we have these doubts come up in our minds as we look at this text and we see that Jesus says, I give them eternal life, and we say, Really, will it always be that I have eternal life? I may receive it today, but will it be taken away from me tomorrow? And that's where we have this, this wonderful statement from the Lord Jesus Christ to assure those who are his that they are eternally saved and they will never perish. And what is the illustration that he gives us? We love illustrations. We are people who like pictures. And so what is the illustration that the Lord Jesus gives us? Well, that's there for us in verse 28 and verse 29. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. Jesus wants us to picture ourselves in his hand. If we are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we are in his hand. And if we're in his hand, what does he say? No one can snatch us out of that hand. If we are in that hand of the Lord Jesus Christ, no one can snatch us out of his hand. And then he goes on to say, not only that, but verse 29, my father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my father's hand. What does Jesus mean here? He means that if you're a true believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, then you are safe forever. Why? Because you are in Christ's hand. He has closed his hand over you. And then the Father's hand, if that was not enough, the Father's hand is wrapped around the Lord Jesus Christ's hand. And the Father is greater than all. So, of course, you're going to be safe. If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are given eternal life and you will never perish. And no one can snatch you away from that eternal life because you're in the hand of the Lord Jesus and you're in the hand of God the Father. This, is, this teaching here is that once saved, always saved. Perseverance of the saints is indeed true. And this verse teaches, us, teaches it so loudly and clearly that if you are a saint, if you have been sanctified by the Holy Spirit, you will always be a saint. 
You will persevere through this world and through all eternity, safe in the hand of the Lord Jesus Christ and the hand of the Father himself. And this is not a teaching that is peculiar to John 10. It is throughout scriptures that we're safe in God's hand. I love the passage in Romans chapter 8. I read it pretty much every year and 2019 is upon us and I don't think I've read it yet this year. So today is the day, page 1119, page 1119. The Apostle Paul is in total agreement with the Lord Jesus Christ. Page 1119 and I'll read from verse 35, although I'd love to read the whole chapter, but I'm Not sure you'd all tarry with me for that length of time that they would spend with the sermon. But I'll read from verse 35. This afternoon, read Romans 8. It's a a wonderful passage. This Lord's Day would be well used if you read Romans 8 once more. Romans 8, verse 35, page 1119. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? That's what we're looking at this morning. Can anyone separate us from the love of Christ? And Paul asks, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? He continues, shall trouble or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword. As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. What is Paul saying? Same thing that the Lord Jesus is saying. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Once you're in the love of God, you stay in the love of God, now and always. And as we saw in that passage that we had read for us before from Isaiah, Isaiah 49, what did it say there about the hand of God? Isaiah 49, verse 16 See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. If you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, he has engraved you upon his hand. You are written on there and you cannot be snatched out of that hand. You may say, okay, well, you say that I cannot be snatched out from his hand, but is it really safe in the hands of God? Now, that sounds blasphemous to ask, but we see weakness in other hands. And when you look at the false gods, the pagan gods, just because you belong to one of those gods doesn't mean you're safe. Do you see those gods, they're always fighting with one another, tearing away at each other, stealing things from one another? How do we know that you cannot be stolen from the hand of our God? And when we look at our own hands, we can see that they can be forced open, that a greater force can come along. And we saw that this morning as the children, as my son was hanging on to that coin in the kids' talk, that I'm sure if I got another adult in the congregation this morning to come forward. They may have been able to force my son's hand open and certain adults would even be able to force my hand open on top of my son's hand. How do we know that Christ's hand cannot be forced open? With a bit of extra muscle, with a bit of heat, with a hammer. I did toy with the idea of bringing a hammer along to the kids' talk this morning, but I thought it may be an OH&S issue. With a hammer, I'm sure we could get out of most people's hands something. And we see that with our hand, and we think, oh, what about God's hand? Could not it be forced open? And we see our hands get tired and let things go. We drop things. 
I dropped something in the middle of the service before. My lid for my water bottle, it ran racing across the floor. And it's because my hand fumbled and let it go. How do we know that God's hand will not get tired? How do we know that God's hand won't have a good grip on us and he will drop us by accident as I did with my water bottle lid before? Sometimes even with a child, if they've got a rope and you've got a rope and they pull and you haven't got a good grip on it, they actually get it away from you. How do we know that God's hand is going to falter and lose grip on us? Why is God's hand different from all the other hands we know? Well, that's because it's the hand of the supreme God. Yes, the pagan gods fight with one another. As we read about, as we look at Greek mythology, they fight with one another. But God, our God, is the God of all gods. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And so his hand is supreme. His hand is a mighty and powerful hand. And nothing can force it open. There is no greater force than the hand of our God. It's by his hand he created all things. It's by his hand that he sustains all things. So how can anything that has been created and sustained by him somehow force his hand open? It is a hand that is more powerful than anything else. And it never tires. And its grip is perfectly fine. God's hand never lets us go. And we know that God's hand always protects because there's been many attacks on God's hands over the years. There's been lots of people who've tried to snatch the saints from God's hands, but they failed. Satan himself has had a go at trying to pull people out of God's hand, to destroy God's hands. And the greatest attack of all that Satan ever made upon God's hands was, of course, when he put the Son of God, on the cross, where he caused nails to be put through the hands of the Son of God, nails driven through his hands. We sang singing that song uh, by Kendrick, hands that flung stars into space to cruel nails surrendered. Satan drove nails into the hands of God, the greatest of attacks that have been known to God and to man was when Satan tried to force the hand of God to release saints. But we know that it did not force the hand of God. In fact, it actually secured God's hand around his people all the more firmly. Think of that. When you, when you have something in your hand and someone tries to get it out, think of the idea of a coin in your hand and you give it to, you put your hand before a child and they try to get it out of your hand. And when they're a toddler, they can't get it out very easily, and it's no real problem. As they get older, they may get a bit of a better grip on your fingers, and they're a bit stronger, and they may get one finger up. But what does that cause you to do? As an attack comes upon your hand, and someone's trying to get something out of it, what do you do? You grip all the more tightly. You don't let go as attacks come. Instead, you grip more firmly. And that's what's happened as Nails were put into Christ's hand. What ended up happening is he gripped all the more firmly. What should condemn us to hell is our sin. And what happened at the cross? As nails were driven into the hands of Christ, our sins were being paid for so that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus and no reason why we should go to hell. 
The blood stains on the hands of God in fact made us more secure in the hands of God rather than less secure. All attacks that have been made upon God's hands have never succeeded, including the greatest of all attacks, Satan himself driving nails into the Son of God's hands. And so we can know that we are secure, eternally secure in the hands of God. We know that because of the scars on the hands of the Son of God and because of the blood stains on the hands of the Son of God. We are eternally secure. We don't have to have fears about our salvation because we can trust God's word. We can trust the promises of God here that we are safe in his hand and because of what we know about his hands, that they're blood-stained hands, that they're scarred hands, which demonstrates the power of the hand of God, the cross where the hand of God was nailed up there, shows the power of God, but also the love of God, that he will let nothing take us out of his hand. He loves us so much that he would be willing to be crucified, to have nails driven into his hand. And so nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God. Satan can prowl around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. But he cannot snatch you out of God's hand. The world may seek to snatch you out of God's hand by pain, but they cannot do it. While I was on annual leave, I was reading a book about the Reformation in England, written by de Binier. It's an excellent book. It's really helpful for me in so many different ways. Long read, but a very helpful read. And a lot of it's talking about the Reformation in England when martyrs were given for the sake of the faith, for the church of God. And what people would do to try and snatch them away from trusting in Christ alone for salvation. People were imprisoned, and when they were put in prison, it wasn't enough to just put them in a cell. They would chain them in such a way that they could neither stand nor sit for protracted periods of time. Some of them were even uh, pinned to the wall, so their feet were off the ground for lengthy periods of time. That is attempts by the world to try and snatch them away from trusting in Christ from the hand of God. People were starved, they were flogged, they were stretched out on the rack, which dislocated their joints, so they were cripples for life. But again and again, as you see these people being tortured by the world to try and draw them out of the hand of Christ, what do they do? They stay firm. They stay firm because they are in Christ's hand. They cannot be snatched out of it. And the world doesn't just use pain to try and snatch us out of God's hand. The world often uses pleasure. At our Bible study on Tuesday night, we were looking at the church in Pergamon, uh, reported in Revelation chapter 2, and how people in that church were led astray by food and sex. God, uh, God has this attack upon his people so regularly where people are lured away from the church by pleasure rather than pain. If the devil can't get you and the world can't get you by pain, they try to use pleasure. But we read in Revelation chapter 2, we saw that some were led astray, but not everybody. The saints are firm in Christ's hand. They cannot even be lured away by pleasure. Now, certain sins may try to snatch you from God's hand as well. You may have a little voice in your head that says, Oh, that was terrible. There's no way God can forgive you for that. Yes, I was a believer yesterday, but I've committed something atrocious today. There's no way I'm safe in the hands of God anymore. 
But we know that Christ's hand cleanses us from all unrighteousness. There is nothing to fear as long as we come to the Lord in repentance and faith and believe that Jesus Christ's hands cleanse us, that the blood pouring from his hand cleanses us from all unrighteousness. We cannot be snatched out of his hand. And death may make a grab at us and take us into the next world, but we are safe in the hands of God in the next world as well. And we ourselves cannot snatch ourselves out of Christ's hand. Some people actually suggest this, that Satan can't get you out of Christ's hand. The world can't get you out of Christ's hand. But you have free will. And you can cause yourself to fall from the hand of God. But what does the text say to us in John chapter 10? If you're still in Romans 8, flip back with me to John chapter 10. John chapter 10, verse 28. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. Who's no one? Well, it's the world, it's Satan and his demons. Includes you too. You can't snatch yourself out of God's hand, which is a wonderful truth to remember because sometimes we do bite the hand that feeds us. We sin in awful ways against Christ's hand. But he does not let us go. While I was on holidays, I was sitting at a uh, cafe, uh, at a uh, shopping mall, and I saw a very busy lift open its doors, and I saw this uh, little toddler who could run very fast, so uh, he's just learned to run probably, and he made a dash for this lift, and he wasn't supposed to be going into the lift at all. And then I see this mother running, and he's weaving in and out of all these people getting off the lift, trying to get into this lift, and this mother's chasing him, calling out his name, and she grabbed his hand... He got into the lift, she grabbed his hand and pulled him out before doors would close and then she'd have a real problem problem trying to get him back. But she grabbed his hand and she pulled him out of the lift. And what did the child do? Smack, 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 smack on mummy's hand. No, 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 I want to go in here. And she's pulling him away. She didn't let go because he slapped her hand. She continued to pull, pull him back to safety where he needed to be. That's what God does to us as well. Yes, we can slap against his hand. Every sin that you commit as a Christian is a slap against God and his hand, his loving hand that is wrapped around you. And thankfully, he doesn't let you go. He doesn't let you go. If you are one of his people, even what you do against God is not enough to, let, to make him let you go, to snatch you out of the hand of God. Now, I'm not saying here that you will not suffer loss in this world. Just because you're safe in the hand of God doesn't mean that you won't suffer loss. Yes, the snatching of the devil and the world can be painful. This word snatch is used earlier in John chapter 10 to refer to the way a wolf will grab sheep. And that's pretty ferocious, and we saw, I, I mentioned that before about the Reformation in England. It was painful for the saints to be tortured by the world to try and get them to recant their faith in Jesus. We can suffer loss even in the hand of God, but we cannot be snatched out and lose our salvation. And I'm not saying that we won't ever stumble. Yes, we stumble as Christians. I mentioned that before about the way that we slap God. But we can never fall utterly and finally. Yes, 
There were people at the time of the Reformation who were Christians, and due to torture, they would recant their faith. But what happened for a lot of them? They were tortured even further by their minds and what they had done in denying the Lord Jesus Christ. And what happened to a lot of them? They went to martyrdom after that. They went willingly to the stake to be burnt. And people tried to deter them and say, flee, run away. They'd say, no, I cannot believe I did that and denied the Lord Jesus Christ. And they went willingly to the flames. They weren't eternally snatched out of Christ's hands. They stumbled, yes, but they did not fall. And that can happen for you as well. You can stumble, but you will not fall. If you are truly Christ, if you truly believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and follow him, you will not fall. Now, why is this important to know? Why is it important to look at this morning? Well, there's many reasons, but firstly, it calms our fears in the face of the snatching that does often happen, as the attempts that people try to snatch us from the hand of God. It is wonderful to know that we are safe, securely in his hand, and we can live quietly in the midst of wolves who are seeking to snatch us. Children know the comfort of holding the hand of their parent. We see this again and again with our own children. Next to a busy road, children actually will reach out for your hand and want to hold it. In a scary movie, a child may come and sit close to you and a little hand reaches for your hand for the comfort that they find from knowing that someone superior has them safe. And that's what it's like as we read this passage as a Christian. You may not this morning be feeling too worried about your salvation, but there may be a time in the future where you've committed some sin or some real tragedy and pain has come into your life, and what do you need to do then? Remember that you're safely wrapped up in the hand of Christ, and that will give you comfort. And not only in Christ's hand, but in the Father's hand, and you will find comfort. And it's also good for you this morning. You may not struggle with assurance. You may think, oh, yes, of course, I'm saved now and always, but not every Christian around you is thinking that way. We all struggle with different things, and some people really struggle with assurance. And this is where you need to know a text like this to be able to encourage them and say, no, if you are a true believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, do you trust Christ? Yes, then you're safe in his hand. So this calms our fears and our struggles that we may have with our assurance. And we can also use this doctrine so that we can revel in the truth and give God glory for his preservation for us. It's so wonderful to know that our salvation doesn't depend upon us doesn't depend upon us in the beginning. That's all of Jesus Christ at the cross. And then our salvation doesn't depend upon us for now and always. He will always keep us safe. He kept us safe when we began our Christian walk. He paid the penalty for us and then has kept us safe and he will always keep us safe. And so we give glory to him for the beginning and also the end of our salvation. The whole time that we are with Jesus He gets the glory, and that glory will continue forever because that is how long our salvation continues. It is forever. And so why should we look at this doctrine? For comfort, but also so that we can boast in the Lord, boast in the salvation that he grants, boast that he grants in the beginning and that he continues to grant every day of our lives here on earth, but also for eternity. But with a doctrine like this, we also have to be careful because many can feel safe, but are not actually safe. This doctrine can be abused by people who should not be taking this for themselves. 
Some people really do walk away from the Lord Jesus Christ. You may know people who you saw, said they trusted in Christ, and now walked away. I mentioned that at the beginning of the sermon. Now, why would they walk away when you've got a doctrine like this? Why would they walk away when it says that no one can snatch you out of Jesus' hands? No one can snatch you out of the Father's hand. Why would such people walk away? Well, this is where the word of God is always helpful to us. 1 John chapter 2, verse 19 says, this is the Apostle, Paul, uh, Apostle John speaking, says, they went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. A true believer is never snatched out of Christ's hand. Now, there are some people who are not true believers, but they give the appearance of being believers, and they walk away. And why do they walk away? Because they never belonged. That is the teaching of Scripture there. It's a hard teaching to try and get our head around at times because we've seen people who, in all appearance, by their fruit you will know them, and then by their fruit you've thought, oh, yes, they're certainly saved. But then they walked away. And so what does the word of God say? They were never with us. By their going, you can tell that they were never with us in the first place. So this promise here is for those who are true believers, not for false believers, for true believers. Once we're in Christ's hand, we are safe. But it's a question of how do you get into Christ's hand and how do you know you are there? And that's where Jesus has instruction for us in John chapter 10. What does it say about his sheep who are in his hand? Verse 27, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. How do you know if you're in Christ's hand and eternally secure? You listen to the voice of Jesus. You love the voice of Jesus and you follow the voice of Jesus. Do you want to know if you're in Christ's hand and safe eternally? Ask yourself, Do I like the word of God? Do I like the Bible? It's interesting, as I'm reading about the Reformation in England, the love that these people had for the scriptures is incredible to hear because before that it had always been in Latin. It wasn't in English, and they weren't allowed to have the Bible in English. It was outlawed. And so they would secretly have copies of the Bible in English, and they devoured it. They loved the voice of Jesus. That's how you know that they were saints. They loved the voice of Jesus and they sought to follow the voice of Jesus. And so if you have no time for the voice of Jesus and you have no desire to follow the Lord Jesus and you're not seeking to go after him, you may have had it before, but now you're like, I'm not interested in the voice of God. I'm not interested in doing what he says. Then you're not safe in the hand of Jesus. You're not safe in the hand of the Father. You need to repent of your sins. You need to turn to Jesus Christ. You need to love his voice and do what it says. And then you can claim this promise for yourself. You can claim this promise that you have eternal life and shall never perish, that no one can snatch you out of Jesus' hand and no one can snatch you out of the Father's hand because you hear the voice of Jesus and you respond and follow in repentance and faith. Let's come to God in prayer. Let's speak with him now. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for calling us to belong to you and for protecting us in your hand, your most powerful and mighty hand. 
Lord, we pray that you would forgive us for our doubts and our fears, that we can lose our salvation even whilst we trust in you. Lord, we pray that you would help us to live in repentance and faith, listening to your voice and following your voice, and thus live peaceful lives of joy in the assurance that you have given. And Lord, we ask that if there is anyone here this morning who is not yours, grant them repentance today. May they listen to your voice and may they seek to follow you. And may they then rejoice in the security that you give by your hand. May they boast in the salvation they have found in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray this in his name. Amen.